You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Monday, June 7th, and Gonzaga's historic baseball season has come to an end. When we left you on Friday, I said... I had all the confidence in the world in beating LSU on Friday with Alec Jacob on the mound because I'll take anybody, uh, I'll take Alec Jacob against literally anybody in the country. But with Gabriel Hughes hurt and Gonzaga missing their second starter and the Zags pretty much lacking a quality third starter all year, I thought it would be an uphill battle to win the regional. And that pretty much came to fruition over the weekend. Gonzaga opened up the Eugene Regional with a 3-0 win over LSU on Friday night. Alec Jacob was indeed absolutely phenomenal as he has been pretty much the last two and a half months of the season. He gave up a leadoff triple in the fourth inning. Eventually, LSU loaded the bases on him. Somehow, Jacob kept them off the board, and then he absolutely was in cruise control the rest of the game. Gonzaga got two runs in the second inning, and then an RBI hit from Brett Harris in the sixth inning. Should have been a double, but somehow replay reviewed, called him out at second base when he looked pretty clearly safe. But it didn't really matter because Alec Jacob was on the mound. And uh, like I said, he was on cruise control throughout much of the last four or five innings. He was dominant. He threw a four-hit shutout. He struck out nine guys. He finishes the season with an 8-1 and one record with 112 strikeouts. And that 112 strikeout mark is the eighth most in a single season in Gonzaga history. That's how good he was this year. He also threw the fifth no-hitter in program history about two months ago. He was basically everything you could possibly ask for for an ace. Uh, and his performance on Friday set up a showdown with Oregon on Saturday night after Oregon beat Central Connecticut 13-10 to on Friday. Unfortunately, that game against Oregon went south pretty quickly. It's hard enough to beat Oregon as it is, especially on their home field. It's harder when you don't have your co-ace on the mound in Gabriel Hughes. And then it's basically impossible when you essentially gift the Ducks multiple first inning runs. And that's kind of what Gonzaga did with their fielding in the first inning of that game. They committed multiple errors on the infield in the top of the first inning. And instead of limiting the damage to one, potentially two runs, Oregon capitalized and they scored four runs in the first inning before Gonzaga knew it hit them. But to their credit, like they have pretty much all season long, Gonzaga fought back. They got three runs in the third inning uh, to cut the lead to one. But uh, Oregon responded immediately with three runs in the top of the fourth, all of them with two outs. Um, led by a two-run homer, and it pushed the lead back to four. And Gonzaga had that problem again in the Oregon game, and they did it again in the LSU game, where they just could not get that shutdown inning after scoring. Uh, But the real gut punch, I think, in that Oregon game came uh, in the bottom of the fifth. Gonzaga loaded the bases with one out, and they had a chance to get back in the game with a hit. And instead, they hit into a inning-ending double play. And that was also a story from this weekend, is they just did not hit very well with runners in scoring position. They would go on. They lost to Oregon 7-3 to in that game. William Kempner, he's the, the guy who started the game for Gonzaga against Oregon. He only got three outs in that game. 
I think he deserved a much better fate considering that first inning he had multiple errors behind him in the field. Um, and I think his, the infielders would probably tell you that Kempter deserved a better fate in that game. Uh, but Tristan Vreeling, he was the the pitching star for Gonzaga against the Ducks. He came in for the bullpen and he pitched a career-high seven innings in that game. He was absolutely spectacular outside of those three batters in the fourth inning where he gave up a two-run homer. But his seven innings against Oregon saved the bullpen and it allowed everyone to be completely fresh heading into Sunday afternoon's rematch against LSU in an elimination game. Gonzaga went up 2-0 right away in that elimination game against LSU and they did it by playing small ball which they've done you know pretty much all season they loaded the bases with nobody out in the top of the first and they scored on two ground balls so Gonzaga was up 2-0 right away and it looked good but that optimism was short-lived because LSU started the bottom of the first inning with two bloop singles off of Alec Gomez and anytime you start a game with two bloop singles you know something is going to go terribly wrong Neither of them were hit hard whatsoever. One of them, uh, an LSU hitter, got completely jammed, but both both of those bloopers just found a spot in the outfield. So they had two guys on with nobody out right away. And LSU, uh, their lineup is just too good to not capitalize on that. So they bring in both of those guys, lots of hard contact. They ended up scoring four runs in the first inning to go up 4-2. to two, And they continued that surge in the second inning where they scored two more. And just like that, they were up 6-2. to two on Gonzaga. Alec Gomez also did not get more than three outs. So William Kempner and Alec Gomez, uh, who had been Gonzaga's third and fourth starters for most of the season, they combined to get six outs in their two starts against Oregon and LSU this weekend, which is obviously not ideal. Um, but Gomez did not get an out when he returned into the second inning. He got pulled after giving up two doubles and a walk. Uh, so he ended up getting charged with uh, all six of those runs in the first uh, inning plus. And then Michael Spellacy took over for Gonzaga, and he stabilized everything, just like Tristan Vreeling did the night before for Gonzaga. He ended up pitching six innings out of the bullpen, gave up three runs. But Gonzaga's offense just couldn't muster up pretty much much of anything after that first inning. And like I said earlier, they just couldn't get the big hit that they needed to get back in the game or take the lead in a game. Um, they had a chance. They had a couple chances against LSU, but the big one came. They had second and third with one out in the third inning, down 6-2. to two. Actually, I think it was 6-3 to three at the time, and uh, they just couldn't score and get back into the game. So their season ended with a 9-4 to four loss to LSU on Sunday afternoon, and LSU actually went on to beat Oregon later on Sunday night. So now those two teams, the Tigers and the Ducks, they're going to play each other again tonight for all the marbles at 7 p.m. with the winner going to the Super Regional. I think it was pretty obvious, and I don't know if there's any other way to put this, Gonzaga missed Gabriel Hughes in this regional. William Kempner and Alec Gomez are good pitchers. They had some really great moments this season, but they are not dominant. And I think you need two dominant starting pitchers if you want a chance to make a deep run in this uh, NCAA tournament. But the bats also struggled with runners in scoring position, which I mentioned earlier. Even in the win over LSU on Friday. I mean, they had several chances to extend that lead and they didn't do it, whether it was with the bats or running themselves out of innings. So it was just, a, it was a tough finish to a historic season. Friday night's game was awesome um, with Alec Jacob on the mound. And it would have been nice to have Gabriel Hughes on the mound to see what Gonzaga would have been able to do. Um, but they had their highest seed ever in the NCAA tournament. They were in the top 15 in some national polls towards the end of the year. So what they did this year uh, hadn't been seen by a Gonzaga team in quite some time. 
after the game, head coach Mark Maktoff um, talked to the media, and he had really nothing but good things to say. And the thing that he kept kept coming back to is how proud he was of this team. We're super proud of this group. Um, they accomplished a lot of things, a lot of first things in our program, and um, won a league championship, which is very difficult to do. And number two seed, and and um, and doing that on top of the injuries and. Um, you know, the COVID shut down right in the middle of the year, right at the end of the year. Um, I couldn't be more proud of this group. On Wednesday's episode of this podcast, I'm going to give a final recap of this season. And then I'm going to look ahead to next year in terms of the roster. I think there's plenty of talent that should be returning for the Zags next season. And they're going to be right in the thick of things in the WCC. Uh, I think there's several, several candidates on that pitching staff for um, who could be complete breakout performers next year. So on Wednesday's show, it's going to be some more baseball talk, uh, just kind of preview, uh, reviewing this season and then previewing next season a little bit. Coming up on the rest of the show today, we are going to recap a few pieces of news from late the last week that we did not get to on Friday's episode. Plus, there's some stuff that came out this weekend, all of it relating to Gonzaga basketball. And, of course, we are going to finish the show today with the fifth-ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era. Before we get to all that, a second to talk about Lucy Nicotine. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, a tobacco alternative that does not suck. Lucy has created nicotine gum with 4 milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with 4 milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus, and mint. Lucy lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy. And it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. Lucy was researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Locked on College Network listeners, go to lucy.co and use the promo code Locked on College to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code Locked on College at checkout. Warning, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use the promo code Locked on College. Also, a minute to talk about rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Okay, let's get to a few pieces of news and notes here surrounding Gonzaga basketball. The first thing is that uh, Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas are two of the 27 players invited to the Team USA U19 World Cup training camp. 
The two of them are going to compete from June 20th through the 22nd with the goal of making the 12-man roster that's going to represent the United States at the 2021 FIBA U19 World Cup. The team is coached by Jamie Dixon, and they're going to uh, play in Latvia. That's where the U19 World Cup is being played this year. It's going to be in Latvia from July 3rd through July 11th. Team USA is the reigning gold medal uh, winner. Jalen Suggs was on that team back in 2019. Of course, if you remember, Suggs was not the only guy in that FIBA U19 that was Gonzaga-related. Joel Yai and Umar Bala were both named to the All-Star 5 of that U19 World Cup back in 2019. Like I said, Suggs won the championship with Team USA. Julian Strother was on the Puerto Rico team uh, in that FIBA World Cup, and he finished second in scoring in that tournament with 22 points a game. And Filip Petrushev, uh, he was with uh, Serbia, and he led the event, the entire event, in field goal percentage at 66.2%. Obviously, Gonzaga's not going to have five different players like it did two summers ago, but there's a good chance they get two with Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas. Uh, Chet Holmgren will almost certainly make the team. Hunter Salas is probably going to be somebody borderline, uh, but at least we get a chance to watch uh, Chet Holmgren play over the summer. Like I said, those dates for the World Cup are going to be July 3rd through July 11th. Those 27 athletes that are invited, there's a couple players that are um, going to be sophomores in college or at least second year players in college, but for the most part, it's all high school players. And uh, Salas has participated in these kind of Team USA camps before, so he may have an upper hand on some of these other players. Uh, but we'll see what happens. June 20th through the 22nd, which is about two weeks from now, is when they're going to have their, their training camp. And then I think on the 22nd is when they make final cuts. And we'll keep you updated on all of that. Speaking of Hunter Salas and Chet Holmgren, both of them won Gatorade Player of the Year awards in their respective states. Chet Holmgren in the state of Minnesota, Hunter Salas in the state of Nebraska, but also Nolan Hickman. Nolan Hickman won it in the state of Utah, and Bree Salenbian, the uh, five-star prospect, one of, I think, the highest rated in the history of the women's program. She won the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Michigan. So Gonzaga and uh, their men's and women's basketball programs next year are ha- they have four Gatorade Player of the Years, uh, Players of the Year, I should say, coming into uh, their program next season. One from Minnesota, one from Utah, one from Michigan, one from Nebraska. They're, they've got a stranglehold on pretty much the entire United States, it seems like, at this point. A couple of things to talk about here with uh, Pro Zags. Number one is that Micah Downs has won a championship. He helped lead his team in Portugal to their first championship in 39 years. Micah Downs uh, had 15 points, five rebounds, and six assists in the winner-take-all game five late last week. He had 27 points in game one of that series. And so his team in Portugal, uh, champions for the first time in 39 years. Rui Hachimura, his uh, Washington Wizards, were eliminated in the playoffs over the weekend. Uh, But Rui played really, really well, surprisingly well, um, to be honest with you. Uh, He averaged just under 15 points a game, and he averaged seven rebounds. It's the best he's looked in quite some time. And he was 9 for 15 from beyond the arc, which is 60%. He was incredibly efficient. Uh, He shot the ball very well. He rebounded the ball well, and he looked like he belonged. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he develops going into year three uh, and what that Washington Wizards uh, roster looks like. But he is a big part of that franchise going forward, which is very cool to see. Brandon Clark, on the other hand, I'm not sure where he stands with the Memphis Grizzlies after year two 
of his career. Uh, he fell out of the rotation. The Grizzlies lost uh, four games to one to the Utah Jazz in the playoffs. Uh, Brandon Clark, like I said, was out of the rotation at the end of the season after Jaron Jackson Jr. came back because Brandon Clark has not been shooting the ball well. His shooting percentages are all down considerably from his first season in the NBA and from his uh, lone season at Gonzaga. So it'll be a very, very interesting offseason in Brandon Clark's development uh, to see where he kind of lands in that Grizzlies lineup and, and how the Grizzlies see him as a franchise uh, piece um, here in the future. And then the last Prozac to talk about is Kevin Pangos. We mentioned last week, I believe, that he was getting close to re-signing with the team he plays for in Russia. Well, it turns out he's going to wait a little bit because he's getting at least a little bit of interest in NBA teams and he wants to wait um, through the NBA free agent process to see how that all plays out. And I think it would be absolutely fantastic if Kevin Pangos could get a chance in the NBA because I think he deserves one. You know, there's a lot of players where I look at, uh, and Matthew Delavadova, I think, is probably the closest one to Gonzaga uh, fans' hearts, where it's like, if Matthew Delavadova made a, a decent career in the NBA, like Kevin Pangos can make a decent career in the NBA. So uh, hopefully, Kevin Pangos can, can, you know, come on with a team. He's been arguably the best guard in Europe over the last couple of seasons now. So there's no way, or there's no reason, I should say, why his game should not translate uh, over here to the NBA if given the chance. And hopefully he is given that chance. All right, that's pretty much all I wanted to get to with the news and notes. Uh, I just wanted to highlight some recruits and some uh, some pro zags. So coming up, we're going to finish the show and we're going to do it by starting our top five countdown. Today, we are revealing the fifth ranked recruiting class of the Mark Fuera. It's only three players in the class, but it's three of the best players Gonzaga has seen over the last five years. So we'll get to that here in just a second. But of course, first we have to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. If you aren't sure which flavor you want, you can always try a mixed box with multiple flavors. All the flavors that Built Bar has are soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They are great for the health conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, here we are. We're getting to the top Five and a quick recap for those of you who are just tuning in or forget what the heck we're doing over here. We have been counting down the worst recruiting class to the best recruiting class of the Mark Fiora over the last month or so. These rankings do include transfers, and one of those transfers is happening today. And those transfers count from the year they entered the program. The most notable walk-ons also are included. These are my own personal rankings, and they are a combination of talent, success in what they meant to the program as a whole and like i said we are down to the final five by next friday we are going to be done with this thing so i hope you've enjoyed it before we get to today's class let me take a second to talk about ben Gregg because i failed to put him in either the 2020 or 2021 class last week because of his reclassification as we all know, Ben Gray came to campus in December of this past year 
And I think he exceeded most people's expectations by becoming the most reliable big man off the bench outside of the normal rotation players by the end of the season. Uh, He's still very raw to me, and I think he's got a lot of work to do before he gets actual rotation minutes. Uh, But there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be a valuable piece for Gonzaga probably two to three years down the road. So whether you put him in the 2020 class or the 2021 class, it doesn't really change for me where I would put either of those two classes in my rankings, um, which we talked about last week. But Ben Gregg certainly deserves a shout out and um, he is going to be a big part of this program here going forward. Okay, now let's get to today's class. The fifth ranked recruiting class of the Mark Few era and it is the class of 2017. And the class of 2017 is a fantastic trio. Corey Kispert, Joel Ayayi, Brandon Clark. Three of the best Gonzaga players of the last, was it, four seasons? Three seasons, really? You know, the 19, 20, and 21 seasons. Uh, Brandon Clark had one of the most efficient seasons in the history of college basketball. He had analytically the best season in Gonzaga history. And if it weren't for... Uh, Zion Williamson, really he would have had the best uh, analytic season maybe in college basketball history. He led the NCAA in defensive rating that year. He led the NCAA in offensive rating. He led the NCAA win shares. Uh, he led the NCAA in blocks. He led the NCAA in field goal percentage. He was second in player efficiency rating behind Zion Williamson. He was absolutely fantastic for Gonzaga. He averaged 16.9 points, 8.6 rebounds, 1.9 assists, 1.2 steals, 3.2 blocks. And he did it all in less than 30 minutes of playing time. And he wasn't really supposed to get 30 minutes of playing time uh, in his one season at Gonzaga. Killian Tilly was supposed to get all that time, but Killian Tilly was injured for most of that 2019 season. So Brandon Clark played a lot more than what was... Uh, Probably expected from him coming in, taking over for Jonathan Williams after Jonathan Williams um, graduated. But he exceeded everybody's expectations and ended up only playing one year at Gonzaga before being drafted way later than he should have in the NBA. And I think pretty much everybody at this point, I mean, I think most people knew going into that draft that Brandon Clark should not slip out of the lottery because anybody who watched Brandon Clark in college knew how good he was. But for some reason... NBA draft uh, people and GMs and all that. They don't like guys that are older than 22 years old, which is ridiculous. If you're good at basketball, you're good at basketball. And Brandon Clark is good at basketball. I've talked about him at length, it seems like, in our Zags and the Pros updates. But um, he needs to work on his jump shot. I mean, he, he got a lot better at his time at Gonzaga. And it got better his first year as a Memphis Grizzly. But then it got worse And it looked like his form changed again going into his second season in Memphis. So it'll be interesting to see uh, Brandon Clark's development going into year three. Um, Let's move to Corey Kispert. Now, Corey Kispert is one of the best four-year players that Gonzaga has ever had. He started right away as a freshman coming off of that 2017 national championship team. They had a lot of roster turnover and Corey Kispert stepped in and started right away before he had an ankle injury. And that ankle injury kind of limited his effectiveness. Um, his, his explosiveness just wasn't there. Like it seemed like it was in his first five or six games. So he ended up basically just being a role player off the bench. Once he returned Averaged just under seven points his freshman year, his sophomore year, he entered into the starting lineup permanently, but he was, Definitely not 
the first or second or even third option on that team with Josh Perkins, Brandon Clark, Rui Hachimura, Zach Norvell. Like he was, it almost seemed like he was a spot up shooter uh, more than anything else on that team. But once all of those guys left his junior year in 2020, he became the guy and he increased his scoring from eight points to 14 points. Uh, he rebounded the ball very well. He distributed, he doubled his assists um, from 2019 to 2020. And he had a chance to be an NBA player. And if we weren't for the pandemic, then it's very possible he would have been drafted. Um, even with the pandemic, there's a really good chance he would have been drafted. But he said, nope, I'm going to come back to school because uh, I've got some unfinished business here and I want to improve my draft stock and I'm going to bet on myself. And it's a good thing that he did because he was one of the best players in college basketball this season. Uh, he averaged 18 and a half points, five rebounds and two assists. Uh, which is absolutely fantastic numbers. He took over. He took home, I should say, uh, consensus first team All American. He was the WCC Player of the Year. He won the Julius Irving Award for Best Small Forward of the Year. He uh, was an All Regional NCAA Tournament selection. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic, and he is really the um, really one of the stories of development. Right, becoming from a good player to a great player over four years. He worked on his explosiveness. He worked on becoming a more complete player. His lateral quickness, his defensive ability improved vastly from his first year. His driving ability improved unbelievably from his first two years on campus. Even from his uh, junior to senior, his ability to drive the ball and his explosiveness from the perimeter, that the improvement in that area was really, really good to see. And now we wait a month or so to see where Corey Kispert ends up going in the NBA draft. I think he is still going to be a lottery pick, um, maybe the end of the lottery, more so than the beginning of the lottery. But I still think he is a plug-and-play wing player, and I think he's still the best shooter in this draft. And the NBA, with how it's going right now, they can pretty much every team needs shooters. So whether it's the Warriors at the, the back end of the lottery or another team that just wants you know, a sixth or seventh man coming off the bench who can be a three and D guy. I think Corey Kispert is one of the easiest plug and play guys in this NBA draft. And it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. And now we get to Joel Eyai, one of the best development, if not the best development story in Gonzaga history is 2019. He redshirted his first year on campus because he was set, you know, 16, 17 years old, whatever he was. And he weighed like 120 pounds soaking wet. Um, but his his redshirt freshman season, he didn't play all that much, and he played behind Greg Foster. That's where he was on the totem pole as a redshirt freshman. I don't think Mark Few thought really he was ever going to be a guy that could contribute at Gonzaga. But after that 2019 season, everybody left, and the shocking departure of Zach Norvell left a huge gap at the off-guard spot, and so uh, they had to play Joel Yai, and Joel Yai took advantage of that opportunity um, and just exploded as a redshirt sophomore. Um, after averaging under two points a game as a freshman, he averaged 10.5 points a game as a sophomore, inserted himself into that starting lineup for Admon Gilder. Uh, he shot uh, 60% from the field. Average uh, over six rebounds a game. He was him and Nigel Williams Goss are the only players to average six rebounds as a guard for Mark Few. He set the rebounding record for a guard under Mark Few, and then he broke that record 
the next year as a uh, redshirt junior this past season. He averaged 12.7 rebounds, 6.9 rebounds, I should say. I don't want to give him too much credit. Uh, and two and a half assists. He shot a ridiculous 68.3% inside the arc. Uh, he improved his three-point percentage to 39% on the season. So a really, really good player as a junior. And I believe he was a, um, a All-American honorable mention. So Joel Yai is... Uh, from where he was as a redshirt freshman to where he finished as a redshirt junior in that two-year span is absolutely remarkable. And if you want to hear more about his story and his journey, I think you should listen to, if you haven't already, listen to him talk to Adam Morrison on Adam Morrison's podcast because the insight that he gives on that is some absolutely incredible stuff. You could certainly make an argument that this trio could be in the top three recruiting classes of all time, considering the impact that Brandon Clark had in his one year uh, playing in a Gonzaga uniform. And then Corey Kispert, Joel Iai helped lead Gonzaga to a national championship game. But I will say that the four classes that are in the top four all had program that without some of these guys like Brandon Clark and um, Corey Kispert and Joel Yai don't exist without them. So that's the reason that the top four I have in the top four is because without those guys, these newer classes of, you know, 17, 19, 20, 21, none of those exist without the the work of the Kevin Pangoses and the Kelly Olynyk and all of those guys. So um, we'll talk about those groups uh, here over the next couple of episodes, but there's no shame, obviously, in having the number five overall recruiting class of the Mark Fiera, and that's where I had the class of 2017 with Brandon Clark, Corey Kispert, and Joel Ayayi. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back on Wednesday to talk some more Gonzaga baseball. We will put a final bow on this season, and we look ahead to next year's roster and who some of the breakout players could be for the Zags, especially on the pitching staff. Don't forget, you can tune into the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, they are discussing the Tennessee Titans because they traded for Julio Jones this weekend. What does their ceiling look like now? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast, Locked On Zags. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at SCARGO. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show with your Gonzaga story for me to read on Fridays, or if you have any questions or ideas you want me to talk about over the summer, please feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here on Wednesday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.